look at this tree blood gooping out of this tree. <laughs> Perhaps I will see if it removes pencil from my notebook. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Erasable Podcast. I'm Johnny Gamber, and I'm joined by my ever-amazing co-host, Andy Welfley. How are you, Mr. Andy? Very good. I'm excited about today's show. Yeah. So maybe you've heard that graphite is a type of carbon. Maybe you've heard how similar graphite is to diamonds at the molecular level. Maybe the idea that something black and soft being so similar to something shiny and hard made your head hurt. Tonight, we are very happy to be joined by Lenore from the RSVP podcast. Lenore is a chemistry professor at the University of Louisville, and she's going to help us understand the chemistry of pencils. Hey, Lenore. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. This is so much fun. We're glad you're here. And maybe we should be calling you Dr. Hoyt. Yes. (laughs) I only make my husband do that. Well, if you're... (laughs) If you remember, Johnny, she she has been on this ep- this show before, but we we were not on that episode. Oh yeah, we weren't. There. We weren't on yeah. together. It was the. Yeah. So tonight we're going to talk about uh, we call it the finer points, like molecular exploration of pencils. A little later, but first we're going to jump into tools of the trade. You want to go first as our guest, Lenore? Uh, sure. Um, I am writing with some. With a vintage eagle turquoise drawing pencil, it's F. Mm. It's in a ha- it's a hack wing, of course, because that's my thing. <laughs> and uh, this is a black stripe on a gold ferrule. It's got a black eraser, and I was realizing that it's a black stripe from before the 5:30 came out because I put it on with marker. Oh it was yeah, a, it was a sharpie black stripe, and it's kind of wearing off. You, you were the um, you kind of pioneered the the stripes on the ferrules, right? Like I think you used like varnish or something to. I think. Yeah. Eberhard Faber actually pioneered well, the stripes on, on, the on hack wings, I should say. As I recall, but yeah, I used to do a bunch of them. I I did them with um, nail polish. I had a red stripe yeah. on one, way way back, and actually I had a red ferrule before the um, before the Dorothea Langston. Yeah, before yeah. three forty four so, came out. Awesome. And you coined the term hackwing, too. I think so. Although if somebody else laid claim to it, I would immediately relinquish it because I could have picked it up from somewhere else. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm at pretty least positive. You, at least you popularized it, we can say. It goes yeah. back so far. I tagged a bunch of crap with it. <laughs> I was the one who went through and like tagged everything with, with hackwing tags. And then I'm also sitting here enjoying a Falls City Pale Ale. This is a... Um, brewery in North Carolina. Uh, this is a brewery in Kentucky where I actually live. This is a brewery in Kentucky that had um, gone under, and I think it used to be kind of maybe PBR level, and now it's been opened back up again, and now it's PBR level. <laughs> but, but ironically, right? But ironically, but it's actually very good. So it's, you know, it's kind of this traditional, they claim to use the original recipe and stuff, and it's really good. And then uh, Spawn and I have been watching Buffy. We're up to season six, and spoiler alert, bad things are about to happen, and mm. I'm really dreading it because it's her first time through. So yeah. I think we should do a uh, Buffy crossover because I certainly have a lot of thoughts and opinions about Buffy, and I know that all of the RSVP hosts totally do. Totally should, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know if Dee does so much, but uh, Les and I can yeah. spend some time talking about Buffy for sure. Oh yeah. Are you a Buffy Angel, a Buffy Angel fan, or a Buffy Spike fan? <laughs> okay, this. See, your podcast is not so much more. How much do you want to know about this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, maybe a quick answer, and we can use that to spoil some future RSVP episode. <laughs> okay, I will give you the the true answer that is also quick, uh-huh. and that is Buffy is at her best when she's not in a relationship Ooh. with a man. That is a much better call. So, yeah. I mean, throughout the series, she, you know, it's rough when she's just broken up with somebody, but yeah. when she's alone is when she's really, is when she really shines. You know, so, it, and that's really similar to like the Gilmore Girls, right? Like both Rory and Lorelai are kind of best when they're on their own. I can't comment on that. <laughs> what does that tell us in general, I wonder? <laughs> 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 they had something about that with uh, the new Wonder Woman movie, too. Yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, okay. yeah. yeah. Andy, how about you? <laughs> um, well, so we um, not that long ago, maybe two days ago, watched Arrival, which is that um, really great um, kind of like first contact speculative science fiction movie with uh, Amy Adams as a linguist who... Um, makes contact with a new species on earth. Um, it's really great. I watched it not too long after seeing contact again, which is that old Jodie oh, Foster first contact movie. Oh yeah. Love Matthew contact. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey was indeed in that. <laughs> um, but it, it's funny. So, uh, Jeremy Renner plays a scientist and like a hard quote unquote hard scientist. And Amy Adams played a linguist. And at one point, you know, he kind of like is dismissing her science field while she's making all these inroads to making contact with these aliens, communicating with them. And he looks at her and he goes, you know, it's almost like you treat language like mathematics. And I'm just like, what the hell do you think linguist like linguist right. like is? Did That's she exactly what <laughs> she she should have. I think she should have slapped on the face. But yeah, it was a <laughs> it's a really good movie. Um, I had not seen it. And then. Uh, yes, well, I guess today's Tuesday on Sunday. Um, we went to our local showing of the 2018 internet cat video festival, <laughs> which was a good hour and a half, uh, super cut of a bunch of cat web videos. It's exactly like you would think it would be. Um, the guy who does, are you familiar Lenore? I'm assuming Johnny's not, um, with, uh, Henri, the, um, the French kind of like noir oh, yes. cat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the guy who makes that does this and wh- wherever they show it, the proceeds from, um, from the festival go to like a local like shelter or a spay and neuter clinic. And that's what they did here. So it was pretty good. That is so brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So. No. Johnny's not allowed to talk. <laughs> um, and I am, uh, I'm, I'm drinking, I'm actually at work right now. We're recording a little earlier than normal. Um, I'm drinking a Pumplemousse LaCroix, uh, LaCroix, oh, LaCroix yeah. if you're fancy, um, <laughs> in a darkened conference room with my microphone standing on top of a box, um, writing in my... <laughs> In my Baron Fig confidant with a Palomino Blackwing 602. How about you, Johnny? Nice. Yeah. Nice. So um, I've just been watching a lot of TV lately. So we started Endeavor um, season one in the pilot. 
But that show is so mellow, I have trouble staying awake. But it has nothing to do with the quality of the show. And similarly, we were watching Grant Chester, which I can stay awake during. And um, did you guys see Ozark? Uh-uh. It came out last year on Netflix. No, I haven't seen it. So uh, it's about this I like Jason family. Bateman, but I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah. It's, he's Jason Bateman being very Jason Bateman. <laughs> well, this, what else can he do? Yeah. So it's about this family in Chicago that has to um, run away to Lake Ozark to launder money for Mexican drug cartels. But, like, the kids are sort of in on it, too. So it's and... like a sequel to Arrested Development? Arrested Development <laughs> mean, meets Narcos. <laughs> but there's no, um, there's no like, um, shadow of a dad going around talking about not teaching lessons. <laughs> Michael, I've but, made a uh... huge mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's super good if you guys are looking for a sort of dark, um, you know, season-long caper. They're up to season two. It's really violent though like mm. graphically violent but i can handle it <laughs> and uh i just started finished reading rereading with charlotte harry potter five like an hour ago which oh. is the big one yeah speaking of things getting rough that's that's harry potter five is like the harry potter buffy season six yeah and that's the one where he's like has all these uh like pressing mental health issues and just like i just want to hug this kid He's so unhappy. And or smack anxious. him. <laughs> or both. <laughs> At the end, I went with the smack him a little. And uh, I'm enjoying Perrier because I don't feel well. No. <laughs> Hardcore. Um, and I'm writing with a Blackwing 344, speaking of red ferals. And a write notepads members only edition, which is almost exactly the same color as the Blackwing. It's very autumnal. So, yeah. Why don't we jump into Fresh Points? I see Lenora's got like a bunch of really good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Do you care to read them Mocking out loud, me. Lenora? Yes. Uh, so I've been I've been frantically making notes here. This podcast is more fun. Johnny <laughs> rules. Andy too. Pens are silly. Those are my Fresh Points. Also, and so much more. <laughs> and so much more. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell no, i don't uh... have any fresh points and i i have to confess um i gave an exam to almost 300 people last week and i'm still grading them and i have another one to give on thursday oh, no. to another hundred people that i haven't started writing yet i i got nothing <laughs> i got nothing so um nothing is fresh so you guys please go ahead stale points <laughs> Yeah, cool. I'll uh, I'll leap in then. Um, all of mine are actually just like it's probably a little infuriating because I have three of them, and the timing of this recording worked out so that I don't have a lot of really good detail on them. Uh, the first one is just um, I guess uh, news about the the Blackwing volumes that's coming up. Uh, if we were recording a week later, we would have a lot more information on this. But um, yeah, Blackwing announced the number of their um their fall edition of the volume set it's blackwing yeah. yeah it's blackwing 33 and a third um that picture made me like salivate yeah yeah so they um usually what they do is when they announce this on instagram they put up um like the volume number and then they have like a blurred out background that you can like barely tell what it is um this time they did not blur it out and it was very clear um and that is, it was a um, a piece of black shiny vinyl with grooves in it. So that combined with Blackwing 
combined with the 33 and the third number, it just seems pretty obvious unless they're really screwing with us. Um, right. So what? Yeah. what is made out of black shiny vinyl and has grooves cut in it? Yeah, it has something to do with... associated with the number 33 and a third. Yeah. Hmm. So we don't know specifically what, but probably something to do with records, um, vinyl records. Maybe. Johnny, I know Johnny has a lot of... He loves himself some vinyl records. Oh, man. I own one record. Do you have it's a record player? Is that true? No. I own a uh, tool undertow. It was a gift for my 21st birthday. Huh. That's the only record I own. <laughs> Sad. I think it's Saturn. I think they're going to jump on the Field Notes bandwagon and do space nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a black pencil with a silver ferrule. Yeah. And a white eraser and stardust all over it. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. So uh, that 30, would be really sweet. <laughs> Thirty-three and a third, of course, being the RPMs for a um, uh, standard um, one of the, I guess, album-sized record. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if it's like has something specific to do with somebody specific. Like, is it maybe the inventor of the phonograph or the record or something? I don't know. Um, or is it just sort of generally like, hey, yay, records? Because you know they're they're big music 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 people. Um, I think Harry Marks is pretty set on it being about uh, that Naked Gun movie, the the third <laughs> one, I think. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen forever. <laughs> that would be amazing if it was just a tribute to Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I wish I had more information. My my rampant speculation that would be something that I would love to see, but I have no expectation of it being would be that it would be sort of jet jet shiny black um with a subtle texture to the the barrel sort of like the um the blackwing 73s you know that that really kind of like slightly raised barrel yeah, that would, that be, would really be amazing fun. yeah you know those oh, toys we used to have that were like they were like a zip tie but the way the um the way the grooves were made if you dragged your fingernail across it they would say something oh yeah do you um, remember those i do yeah. Like, I think it should be that. I think when you drag your fingernail yeah. down the barrel of the pencil, <laughs> it can say something. Somebody in the group said that it should be an extra, extra firm um, core so you can actually use it as a phonograph needle. <laughs> that would be amazing. But, uh, yeah, next time we come back, we'll have more information about that. Um, something we have maybe a little more information on is the um, the big CW Pencils announcement. Um this is something that's going to be part of their delayed fall quarterly box. Um, but it's also a brand new product, like regular product in it itself. Um, and it's something that I wish um, our dearly beloved uh, Tim Wasson was here to talk about because it's totally up his alley. Except um, that once, he, once it comes out, he will be. Yeah, that's true. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is a um, baseball scoring pencil. That was a partnership between CW and General Pencil, which to me is really interesting because I have never seen General partner with somebody like this. Like, you know, Musgrave does this all the time. Um, and Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't this make the third and final U.S. pencil company they've had a collaboration with? Because um, they did a um, J.R. Moon one too, right? Um, um, Charles said they're somebody who used to own something is sort of struck out and made a fourth company, but they're doing like high end stuff. Mm, mm. I don't, I don't remember what they're called. Some, yeah. The guy that used to have Rose art or something like that. Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. But, I mean, I don't, I don't think, 
that counts. Yeah. I think you're right. So they've done a couple different Musgrave collaborations. Um, yeah. And they've done, uh, they did the Futura um, pencil with GR Moon, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and now they have a general pencil one. So, like, n- you know, not even counting, you know, some of their collaborations with like Vierco and Crandash and things like that. Like, this is really cool. <laughs> Who could say no to Carolyn? I know. It's, that's true. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it comes in a box of six. They're 10 bucks for six of them, $2 each if you buy them. Um, uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. If you buy them in a single. Um, they are round barrel, um, soft eraser, and a dark smooth core. Um, so I'm assuming it's a little, it's a little lighter. Um, it's dark enough to show up on glossy scorecards and smudge proof enough for toothy cardstock, she says in the description. So... Um, I have never scored a baseball game, nor will I probably ever score a baseball game, but, uh, you know, Tim, Tim sure does. And Mr. Brad Dowdy sure does. So I think, yeah, I think these are going to be great. And I, I think she said that, um, Meredith, um, from CW pencils designed the box and the, the barrels of this. So that's super cool. I'm yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. If you get the quarterly subscription box from CW Pencil, she did confirm in our group that you will be getting one of these, and I'm sure I'll be ordering ordering another box. But yeah, I'm a big fan of these guys. I was actually really hoping that the pencil box was going to come in before we were recording today. Yeah, that was kind of my backup plan for Flashpoint. <laughs> and that's <laughs> I was like I'll have something to talk about. <laughs> and I figured it would, but she sent out that email saying that they it was not going to be showing up in like just yeah. it was going to be a little delayed. And I wonder if it was because of this. Um, but it's yeah, it's fine. We we should. It's it's probably good that we recorded anyway, just because it's been three weeks in general. Um, since we yeah, last just recorded. By the time you, by the time this actually drops, it'll be stale points. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's cool. Um, and I guess my last one is something that's just sort of an observation that I have no actual, um, uh, like no actual information on. And that's the gray blackwing slates. Um, blackwing uh, teased this on their Instagram. Exciting. Yeah. Um, you know they have a they have a pearl and a dark black edition uh, to match the MMX and the the pearl pencils, and now they have a gray one that sort of matches the 602. It's not like shark skinny gray; it's a little bit lighter of a gray, um, like a gunmetal or something. Um, but still, yeah, it'll match it really nice. Yeah, anyway. gray is my color. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, yeah, and the 602 is it's a really shifty gray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm, I don't know how you could match that in a different um, medium because it really looks different in different light and from different angles and next to different things. It's got that kind of slightly metallic uh, thing going and it's it's a different color. I mean, you could match it once, but then you would change, you know, you'd walk into a different room and it wouldn't match anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I understand when when they were trying to match, when they were working on the pencil itself back in, when did that come out? Like 2012? 2013 or so um 2011 even yeah it was 2011 uh, yeah um i know that they had some difficulty matching that that color like in their recreation um it was kind of a difficult like color to, to hit um but i yeah i i i wouldn't even call this gray like it is gray but it's like such a like you said lenore such kind of a shifty gray i would almost exclusively call this like shark skin 
because mm. it has that same like depth of color. And I, I wonder, I wonder how many different like coats of varnish is on this thing to make this make this do it. <laughs> yeah, but the <laughs> the, uh, the actual uh, notebook though is pretty pretty baseline gray, like a um, I don't know, like it it, it looks really nice. Johnny, yeah, I wonder if they'll do um, the clutch in the summit too. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. That would be awesome. Yeah, that is about it for my fresh points. How about you, Johnny? Um, so it's been a couple weeks since we recorded, and um, yeah. over Labor Day weekend, Fred and Laura, who we know from Instagram and Facebook, were in town, and Charlotte and I got to hang out with them, and drink some good coffee, and go to Trove, which is a store in Hamden in Baltimore where they sell right notepad stuff. And go stationary shop and hang out, which was super awesome because they're like incredibly nice people. So, hello, please come back again. <laughs> Maybe we'll go do some more grown up stuff without children. Um, <laughs> What's children that are like? The worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking of children, my kids went back to school with, um, you know, like Henry had the instructions to bring four fat Ticonderoga pencils to kindergarten. <laughs> So, you know, I put those in his backpack just in case, but he also got all of the fat pencils from CW that he wanted, which was fun which for him. Which he, he likes some blue ones, right? No, now he's in the red because of uh, Lightning McQueen. Uh, oh, so okay. he had, he had a, um, what's that fat red uh, musgrave pencil, the tot? Is that right? The uh, tot, mm-hmm. a, yeah. a big dipper, a choo-choo, and that um, Staedtler pencil with the triangular grip and the stars. He was a very happy little man. I've finally and given up on jumbos. Yeah. I love them. I kept trying to find out, you know, I kept trying to like them and I just couldn't quite do it. So sometimes they're really smeary. They get really soft, but, um, he's, it's cute for him cause he's got like tiny little hands and he's lefty. So oh. he doesn't put his hand down all the time when he colors. He just kind of like hovers yep. his hand over. It's really oh. funny. I love lefties. So adorable. Thanks. Yay. Are you a lefty too? Love you back. Yeah, Aww. yeah, that's right. We did, we've talked about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the smearing. We have our we have our smudged hands to unite us. <laughs> we should make a T-shirt, a smudged hands club T-shirt. <laughs> that would be cool, actually. Yeah. Spe- awesome. Speaking of shirts, Johnny. Yeah, well, that's my next one. Yeah. So Charlotte <laughs> went with. Um, oh shoot. Uh, the Futura. She wanted a dozen Futuras. I let her pick whatever she wanted from the pencil store, and that's what she wanted. Yeah. That was good kind choice. of cute, but also kind of boring. Twelve the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So, if you're in our Facebook group or on social media, you might have seen that Musgrave, in their new rebranding efforts, has released freaking T-shirts, which is so awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited have, about one um, of them. Yeah, they have the Tesco Ring T-shirt, which yes. looks so awesome. I'm going to give those pencils another whirl because, damn, they're really cool looking. Well, you know, we've talked. Go Sorry, Karen. I was gonna say we talk so much about it's it's such a weird, weird pencil, right? Like the designs on it are weird, and the varnish is weird, and the fact that and they made even it the a, like plastic bag that it comes in, yeah, yeah everything's super weird. weird. And the idea that they took that one out of all of their lineups and made that into a T-shirt before the other ones, equally weird T-shirt, I'll tell you, but a very exciting, equally weird T-shirt. If it doesn't come in the same bag, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Fold it up real small. And they also have one that's blue with their new logo. And it's yeah. similar to their, their new trademark color, which is like perfect blue. It looks really good. Because when you think pencils, you you know, you think like yellow, 
or red or green for Ticonderoga. I never really think blue. It's the color of the cub, isn't it? Of the what? The cub. Mm, You're right. Mm, Is it? It's close. Yeah. It's kind of a powder blue. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like a um, royal blue with like a drop of navy in it. Oh, have, it's um, coming through very different from that on my screen. Yeah, they have uh, packing tape now for their packages that I've seen in person. So <laughs> that blue is really cool. So um, I don't know if, if we're allowed to say this, but we have uh, Henry Hewlin from Musgrave on next month on our podcast, which is so awesome. Yes. So they have, uh, in their new marketing efforts, they have a new marketing person and a new design person who happen to be husband and wife. And the marketing person, Nicole, and I were chatting last week. So she's going to drive all the way over there from Nashville, Tennessee, and set them up with her snowball mic. And we're going to get to talk to Henry, who's famously on all their videos, and I think his son, too. So oh, that's, that's going to be cool. super, super. I'm like kind of losing sleep over this. What a get. That's terrific. I think I'll um, just so we can make sure we have some interesting questions to ask, we should maybe post in the group at some point um yeah. before then just just kind of gathering questions yeah this is like this has been on our wish list since we started the podcast yeah and and Talk to anybody at and, musgrave and honestly as soon as they started being active on social media we discussed like oh hey maybe there's finally somebody there who knows what a podcast <laughs> is <laughs> and we can actually get them on our podcast and it just so happened that this person is incredible and like was already sort of like dialed into the stationary community and you know followed you Johnny on on Instagram um so yeah this is the perfect the perfect time for us <laughs> and maybe we'll all go to Shelbyville and meet up and get a tour and oh, yeah. all be in the same room for once i'm there we'll all get our oh, tat- we'll all get so our matching cool. tattoos in Shelbyville <laughs> yes it'll say pencil city i'm map questing Shelbyville yeah, it's um, it's not too far from Nashville. Um, it's, my friend. Yeah, it's kind of far from me actually. Yeah. I might yeah. still crash your party. Oh, you better not yes. tell me when it is. <laughs> I feel Absolutely. like all of the RSVP parties have happened in um, like New England. So yeah. we need to we need to bring one to, to the central. The heartland. The heartland. It's really true. Yeah. Hey, can I share a back to school story with you guys? Yeah. yeah. Nobody in my life understands this, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I went and had lunch with Spawn at her school last week. Hmm. And I got there, and they weren't down in the cafeteria yet. So I went up to her room, and she was in there working, and they weren't lining up yet. And I went in and just kind of squatted down next to her. Um, She's in fourth grade. And then I realized she's doing her work at school with a 211. (laughs) And I was like, and she's using it too. Like that brown eraser, it's half gone. And, uh, you know, it's like, she's, she's on it. I'm thinking, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Where'd she pick that up? Well, she, you know, I mean, she, she claims one of everything that came, that comes into the house. Right. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So she's, you know, and, and just remember that when they came out, they were just like the same price as any other Blackwing, right? Oh, yeah. They're just, you know, just a couple dollars, a, a, a dozen more expensive than any other Blackwing. So she had a couple. We didn't know they were special back then, yeah. right? We didn't know that they were going to be special later on. You know, like I've got one box left that I'm kind of hoarding because I really like them. But um, 
apparently I like them more than what I could get on eBay for them. <laughs> I haven't told them yet. You know, so I just thought that was really funny. And then we, um, and then that evening we're sitting at the kitchen table and she's doing homework and I look over and she's using a 24 for that. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> she is set. She better be getting A's and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, it, she's not set. It's not because of her tools. <laughs> no, when that, when those two 11s came out, I, at one point right after they came out, um, Joey and Adam from Baron Fig came to San Francisco and we, all, we were all having dinner and I was I like showing them and I think I gave them each one and then we were at a restaurant and the um the server came over and was talking about pencils and I totally gave her one too. <laughs> I'm just thinking now that was probably one of the best tips I've ever given someone. <laughs> well except that you know, except if she doesn't Yeah, she doesn't she's just like, Well this is kinda weird. Just whatever. A dumb pencil, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was yeah, I I was definitely handing them out and I you know, hindsight 2020, I should have stocked up, but there's no way we could have known. So, right. Yeah. That's funny. But yeah. Spawn is the best, best stocked, um, <laughs> student at school. So <laughs> it really is. I, yeah. I did tell her she might want to just keep an eye on that, uh, 211 since if it goes missing, like whoever takes it is really going to not know what they've got. <laughs> but yeah, you know, <laughs> Uh, anyway, I knew you guys could appreciate that in a way that practically nobody can. <laughs> Absolutely. <so. laughs> yeah. There's a limited audience for that story. Like my favorite joke has a really, really limited audience. <laughs> they all listen What's to What's your this. favorite joke? Yeah. Oh, uh, what do you get when you cross a rock climber and a tsetse fly? <laughs> what? Nothing. You can't cross a vector and a scalar. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thank you for oh laughing God. politely. It's kind. Uh, geometry jokes. <laughs> All right. Do you want a little calculus, a little yeah. biology? <laughs> want to jump into our main topic while we're while we're getting? I super think it's dirty. a good time for it. Yeah. <laughs> chemistry. <laughs> so. Um, we have just like a bunch of questions that we're going to ask Lenore and let, ask her to put on her uh, chemist hat and Dr. help Hoyt. us to understand this stuff. I sh- yeah, I probably should have done this before the beer. <laughs> no, the answers are going right. to be more fun this way. It doesn't matter yeah, if they're we'll true. See. Nobody, okay. nobody, nobody knows. You can Pesos. just make it up. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Throw in the word quantum and everybody glazes yeah. over. You, sci- <laughs> you scientists, you just all make that up anyway. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um i'm gonna go first yeah all right shoot because there's a j next to that question um (laughs) graphite and diamonds are similar on a molecular level um like they have them next to each other at the smithsonian in washington at the um natural history museum in several different places because of i don't know i guess it's ironic so um one is soft enough you can write with it and one you can cut glass with so how can that be true if on a molecular level they're so similar Okay, so um, I'm going to trust you guys to know better than I do what's actually going to be interesting to people. (laughs) And you can edit this down (laughs) for content and interest however you want to, okay? Just pretend you're Neil deGrasse Tyson, but without all of the, like, uh, bloviating. Mustache? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've got much less mustache than he does. (laughs) Okay, so, um, all right, so this is kind of 
what I would call sort of the bottom-up approach to thinking about this. Um, when you say that they're similar on a molecular level, um, that's both kind of completely true and completely wrong, depending <laughs> on how you want to look at it. And here's what I mean by that. Um, they're both forms of carbon. And what that means is that all of the atoms are absolutely identical. And if you think about a, um, if you think about like a, a, you know, a picture in your head of a molecular model, each mm -hmm. of the little spheres in that is a single atom and molecules are made out of atoms. So if you, you know, if you don't know that, if you don't remember that from your, from your chemistry class or whatever, um, atoms are kind of like the letters mm -hmm. of chemistry and molecules are kind of like words. That makes sense. So you can assemble these atoms into different words. And not every assembly uh, that you could make of letters is actually an English word, right? Mm -hmm. So you can, you can put together things that you could write the letters down, but they don't actually make a thing that's real. You can, you can write down combinations of atoms that don't make a real thing that could actually exist, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the, the analogy actually goes a pretty far way. But... Um, so all of the atoms are the same, but what's different is how those atoms are grouped together. So in graphite, you have this structure where all of the atoms are arranged into sheets that are one atom thick, hmm. and the atoms are attached to each other in kind of these infinite sheets. And if you look at a picture of it, it kind of looks like a chicken wire, like hexagon pattern with an atom at each corner yeah. of, the, of the hexagons. And those sheets, even though from a molecular level, they're, you know, from the point of view of any one atom in that sheet, it looks like that sheet kind of goes on infinitely. Mm -hmm. But if you think about a particle that has a thousand atoms in it, you know, like a sheet, a thousand atoms large, um, you know, most of us would think that's a pretty big sheet. But if you have, let's say... Um, I'm doing some math in my head here real quick. If, you're, yeah. if you had an ounce of carbon, then you'd have somewhere on the order of 10 to the 21st, 10 to the 20th wow. of those sheets. So that's a, that's a one with 20 zeros behind it. A, yeah, a one with 20 zeros after it. Wow. So, yeah. You know, so that's a really, really large number of these tiny, tiny particles, and each of those tiny, tiny particles contains a really large number of atoms, right? Yeah. And so, um, so those sheets, even though each sheet is pretty strong, the sheets themselves are very, very tiny, and they only aggregate to each other um, with forces that aren't really, they're not chemical bonds, they're more like static cling, like sheets of uh, saran wrap sticking together or something like that. Um, and so the, it's fairly easy to shift those sheets apart from each other. And because of that, you get these properties of graphite where it's, uh, where it can be used as a dry lubricant, right? You can, if you, if you put graphite dust between metal parts, then the metal parts rubbing together just rubs those sheets apart from each other. It doesn't have to break any chemical bonds. And because you don't have any oil in there, it's not collecting dust or other large rough particles. Mm-hmm. And so the graphite, you know, the, the the hard thing with graphite is actually getting it to stick together, right? More than, more than scraping it off, it's it's getting it to actually stick together. And so when you have these large pieces of graphite, they're filled with 
you know, just bajillions, huge, huge, unimaginably huge numbers of these little sheets of particles um, that that, can slough off and scrape off of each other really easily. And that's what I was going to ask is, is that why you can like, yeah, just like, you know, pick off a sheet of graphite, kind of like shale or, or slate or whatever? Well, if you're going to talk about the minerals, then you've got kind of another layer of sheeting there yeah. where the um, where the sedimentary layers have laid down and there's sort of oh, I see. not a yeah. boundary, but, you know, it's kind of how it's laid down. Yeah. That's why you get the sheets there. It's not actually because of the microscopic sheets. It's because of the deposition. I see. So that's a little bit different. But, yeah, it's it's similar it's a similar phenomenon at a different scale. Yeah. You know, you could definitely think of it that way. And so when you have a piece of graphite, you know, if you think about like a piece of charcoal is largely uh, impure graphitized carbon, um, that the that, that can make marks really easily. And it's because those little those little chunks of, of graphite can slough off really easily. And they can continue to kind of crumble to finer and finer pieces. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um and if you think about, I, I don't know if you've ever looked at the, the surface of a piece of paper, seen pictures of a piece of paper under a microscope, but you know, that rough, that surface is really, really rough at even the ma- uh, microscopic level, let alone the atomic or molecular level. It's really rough. So it's, you know, it's like the Himalayas. And when you rub a, a piece of anything soft over that, it scrapes off. Yeah. And then those, um, those pencil, the graphite particles the same kind of um, the same kind of attractions, the same kind of static cling that makes the graphite sheets stick together, also makes them stick to the paper hmm. and not just shake off in the way that like chalk particles tend to just be easier to shake off. Yeah. So so when we say then that you know pencil is forever, we mean that like you know pencil markings don't fade with time and UV exposure like ink does. And presumably ink has pigment in it. Um, I don't know what that's made out of, but um, <laughs> yeah, why is that? Why, why why don't we see that fading with time with, with you know, graphite markings like we might with ink? Well, um, so that those large sheets um, that we were talking about, you know, thousands and, you know, maybe millions or even bigger uh, collections of atoms in each of those sheets, the way that they're chemically bonded together... Mm-hmm makes them absorb photons of light over a very wide range of wavelengths, hmm. which is why it looks black. Yeah. Um, and we didn't actually, I didn't go back and talk about diamond. Like why is diamond hard is kind of the same thing for why is diamond clear and why does diamond um, have um, very high thermal conductivity and, and stuff like that. In diamond, rather than having those atoms be arranged into sheets and the sheets kind of loosely held together, in diamond, it's more like kind of a tinker toy structure in which, um, and uh, we, we should put up a picture because it, it really does look a lot, it, it helps a lot to see the picture, yeah. but you have a three-dimensional lattice where those atoms are bonded to each other. I see. So, um, so within so the works. sheets of graphite, go ahead. I was going to say, so the graphite, since they're all one molecule thick, it's like, it's basically just sort of like two dimensions worth, right? So that's why. Exactly. Exactly. Your graphite lattice is two dimensional and then you stack up a bunch of those sheets and they don't hold onto each other very tightly. But with the the diamond, you actually have chemical bonds going in in all three dimensions. And it's, they're very tightly 
held together. And those bonds are very rigid because carbon atoms are really small. Um, you know, carbon's a really early element in the periodic table. The atoms are very, very small. And so those, um, those bonds are very rigid and very stiff. And that gives you the hardness of diamond. But it also gives you, like, the fact that diamond is one of the most thermally conductive materials mm -hmm. that we know about like the the um you know if you take a a sheet um like a a disc of lab grown diamond material and dip it into something cold like you instantly feel the cold in the part you're holding like hmm. way faster than you would feel it with a piece of metal yeah and it's because those bonds are so rigid uh that as soon as they stop vibrating as hard at one end, if they get hot or cold at one end, then you feel that in the other end very, very quickly because the, um, hmm. the vibration passes, you know, the change in the vibration speed passes through the entire sample really quickly. So you get a very fast transmission of heat and sound as well. The whole thing is very rigid. So all of those properties are really tied together. Interesting. Um, but chemically, there's really kind of nowhere for it to go. I mean, you're not light hitting those bonds is not going to break them. Yeah, and it's even pretty resistant to oxidation. You know, usually for inks, the problem, and for paper and a lot of things, the problem is oxidation. There's we've got all this oxygen in the atmosphere that's wildly reactive, very, very toxic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> looking for something to react with. You know, you hear about antioxidants in the body. Yeah. And the reason that you need lots of antioxidants is because oxygen is attacking all of your tissues all the time and you know, creating these free radicals. And, you know, the only thing that will kill you faster is not having oxygen. So we're kind of in this catch-22 <laughs> uh, where we're constantly... It's a miracle like, we're all still alive. <laughs> it really is. There's this... I, I can't remember now what the number is, but it's this ungodly percentage of your body's processes that, you know, like the total number of enzymes in your body or whatever that are just devoted to repairing the damage from breathing oxygen. <laughs> it's crazy. So, um, but, you know, for carbon, for both forms of carbon, graphite and diamond, they're just not that reactive with oxygen at room temperature kind of, you know, you have to get it to high temperatures for them to be reactive with oxygen. And so, you know, light's not going to do anything to them. There's kind of just nowhere chemically for them to go. Oxygen isn't ferocious enough to really attack them at the temperatures that we're dealing with. Whereas with the molecules that are typically pigments in ink, those are large. They're not, they're not thousands of atoms kind of sheets. Mm. Um, they're sort of large, unwieldy molecules. And the reason that they have color is because they absorb photons of light at certain wavelengths. But the fact that they absorb those photons of light at certain wavelengths means that the light is doing something electronically to them. And that makes them a little bit more reactive and it makes them break down over time. And so, you know, you give something a few decades of light shining on it or for a lot of pigments, a few months or even, you know, for some of them, even a few weeks of light shining on them. If it's bright light, particularly if it's UV, that's a higher energy. Mm -hmm. And they're catching those light particles and some of the molecules, you know, with every every now and then one of those molecules is just, you know, kind of gets broken up into something else that's not the right color anymore. So it's different. And when you said pigment, whatever that is, right? Pigment can be anything. Yeah. Charcoal can be a pigment, right? Pigment is just the word that we give to whatever gives something color. Yeah. But the pigments that are in ink need to be soluble in a solvent. And that lets out something with huge molecules like graphite. Yeah. Huh. 
because graphite's not soluble in any normal solvents. Although, you know what it is soluble in? If you want to dissolve graphite, like if you get soot stains in something, you know no. what it's soluble in? No. Molten iron. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> just pour molten iron on your paper yeah. if you just wanted to erase and it completely. And stain right out. <laughs> oh. Absolutely. So it works every um, time. How is it then that pencil marks on paper are erasable? Well, it's kind of the same thing because, you know, with the, um, the, the ink, you've gotten some molecules that have been carried in by a solvent and they've gotten kind of under the fibers or depending on what the fibers are made of, even inside the fibers, you know, cause you've got, again, you know, if you think about these kind of at a molecular level, those fibers are kind of porous, right? And so this stuff can get inside the fibers and stay. It soaks in. But the graphite's dry. You know, just like when you put graphite dust into your, uh, into your front door lock to lubricate that mechanism, it's dry. Mm. It's not wet. And it's just sitting on the paper. It's held on there by static cling. And so, you know, so it's unreactive and it stays forever if you don't try to remove it. But if you put something sticky, <laughs> you know... If you hit it with something sticky, it'll pick up. If if the thing that you're hitting it with is stickier than the paper, I definitely did a lot of up. a lot of like silly putty on the top of pencil marks to like remove oh, yeah. the pattern. Oh yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and you know, even there, like the word "sticky" is not very technical or well defined, <laughs> like because there's a lot of different kinds of adhesion. If you start looking at adhesives. You know, like sometime when you, uh, you know, have a few hours to spare, ask an engineer about adhesion, right? Or adhesives, yeah. because you have all of these different characteristics and all of these different kinds of adhesive, ad adhesive and adhesion that you have to define if you're going to have an intelligent conversations about these things, which I cannot for the record. <laughs> but, um, but there's a lot to that as well into how, you know, at the molecular level, things are adhesive. So like the difference between um, thinking about glues, right? The difference between uh, something that's like an epoxy resin versus something that's uh, that's a glue that dries out and is is um, holding things together by the fact that it dries versus something that is sticky mm. and stays sticky. Like there's mm -hmm. all of that stuff going on. And so rubber that's used in pencil erasers has this, um, or the synthetic kinds of rubber or the plastics they use to replace those things. They all have these properties of being, at, you know, that having a surface that's somehow stickier to the graphite than the paper is, right? So you want it to you want the you want the graphite to prefer the rubber <laughs> to prefer the eraser over the paper, yeah. but you don't want the paper and the eraser to like each other. So if you're if you're writing if you're using your pencil directly onto the eraser, then you're just screwed. <laughs> well, it doesn't work very well because yeah. the rubber usually has a fairly you know smooth. Yeah. surface and it doesn't scrape off very much although if you think about actually you know like the pink pearl you can write on that with a, a true. um with a pencil because it's rough it's yeah. got some in addition to the rubber it's also got some abrasive in there yeah makes sense so so let's talk about the rest of the core of the pencil um mm -hmm. so like modern pencils of course uh include clay and wax um to the pencil leads that help them be molded and help them be baked into different grades of hardnesses and blackness. Right. Um, yeah. What, what kind of specific things, uh, to, to the best of your knowledge, do, does the clay and the wax do for the pencil? Right. Okay. So, um, partly 
you know, you guys should try to get a geologist on the show sometime Ooh, because, you know, yeah, because the geology of, of graphite and clay would be a whole other thing. Hmm. Um, and um, I think geology is really fascinating, but I get overwhelmed really quickly because their chemical formulas do not look like our earth chemical formulas. Hmm. So, you know, like I get, I get confused really quickly. It takes me a little while to parse things out, but most of the graphite deposits in the world where, and okay, so graphite's super common, but most of it is spread out into other minerals, right? (laughs) So in order to have something that you can actually commercially mine to use for something like pencil cores, it has to be really enriched. And that's kind of luck about where those deposits get made, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not many of those deposits are of sufficient purity or sufficient, um, they don't have the right properties to be able to just cut rods out of it. Hmm. You know, most mm-hmm. of it is, most of the graphite, you wouldn't be able to just successfully like cut a chunk of it out of the ground and slice it up into pieces and put it in pencils. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't work. And so the big, um, what, uh, advancement was figuring out that you could take this graphite Mix it up with something that you can mold around. Yeah, clay. <laughs> right? Yeah. Clay, which people have understood very well for many thousands of years. Yeah. Um, and and shape it into the shape that you want. And then take that clay mixture. You know, I mean, basically, we think of it as graphite with clay in it. But really what it is, is pigmentized clay. Right? Oh, it's yeah. It's clay with graphite in it. Um, I mean, and it's both, but it, it, there's a little bit of a mental shift if you think about one versus the other. So, um, you know, we're taking a, a, a stick of fairly soft clay that we've mixed color into, Hmm. right? So, you know, again, that's clay chemistry is also pretty interesting. Clay is, uh, sort of a, a loosely defined group of, um, aluminosilicate minerals, which means that they've got uh, some glassy stuff going on, but they've also got um, aluminum in there, like some aluminum oxide, some ceramic stuff kind of going on. There's a close um, a close association, of course, between glasses and glazes and ceramics and clays. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the cool things about clay is it's everywhere, you know, so pretty much you know, I suspect anywhere you go in the world, you're going to be able to find deposits of clay that will work at some rudimentary level for making pottery out of and stuff. And, uh, so, you know, we had talked before about the Bavarian clay and I I couldn't find out anything special except that it just, you know, it sounds cooler if you say that it's Bavarian, (laughs) but it's probably (laughs) the finest Bavarian clay, right? Exactly. You know, that there's probably some nice clay there, but it sounds really cool if you specify because people love a story, right? (laughs) So, um, it's interesting though, that like, you know, it's, it's really like pigmentized clay, but we, when we talk about a pencil, we concentrate so much on the graphite element of it. It probably, it seems like maybe the performance of that pencil is very much based on the clay and the wax as well, rather than just, sure. I mean, sure. When was the last time you commented on how great the glass was that your beer bottle was made of? Right. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. But if it's not there, you don't have beer. So Um, hmm. you know, we tend those, those kinds of things are, are 99% invisible, right? <laughs> yeah. Somebody should make a podcast about that. Somebody should make a podcast. <laughs> about that. Um, so yeah, you know, and then the wax, um, the, the wax is the one component 
that um, is really going to be affected by temperature changes around human temperature ranges because for the graphite and the clay, you know, a you know how for us the difference between a hundred and Fahrenheit, a hundred Fahrenheit and zero Fahrenheit is like you know, the difference between inhabitable in the middle of that and uninhabitable at either end, right? Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a really big temperature swing for us, but for the graphite and the clay, that temperature range is really all the same. It, I mean, it has practically no effect on the properties of those substances to go from zero Fahrenheit to 100 Fahrenheit. Because you're really, you know, so what? You're going from, gosh, I have to do math in my head again now. You know, you're going from um, 260 Kelvins up to 300 Kelvins. Big deal. You know, who cares? <laughs> um, so, you know, on an absolute temperature scale, that's very little difference. But for waxes, you know, waxes are specifically, we, we call something a wax because it's waxy. Yeah. Right. And the fact that it's waxy specifically means that it's sort of soft around the temperatures we live, but, you know, not liquid. Right. Yeah. And so as you go up in temperature, they get softer. And as you go down in temperature, they get more hard. And so, you know, those are the things that are going to really be affected. So I, you know, this is me conjecturing. I haven't actually done tests on this yeah. or really into it very deeply. But when people comment about certain pencils, you know, not seeming to work as well if they leave them in the car or whatever, you know, I suspect that's because those are, are waxier pencils and they're being affected more. They're going to get harder at lower temperatures. Um, whereas if you have a low content of wax and it's mostly graphite and clay, it's really going to be hardly affected at all by temperature because it's, you know, it's all rock hard hmm. at that point. Yeah. But I don't know that much about the clays that, I mean, about the waxes that go into them. There's a lot of different things. Wax is not a chemical term. Wax is really a practical term. And so a lot of biological waxes do have a certain uh, sort of chemical structure in, in common. They are, um, they're basically like, like oils, but bigger molecules. So they tend to be solid at room temperature I see. rather than liquid. Yeah. Um, so I think Johnny, you had mentioned animal fat. Stearic acid is one of the um, one of the common things that's a, a you know one of one of the common wax additives, and that's um, frequently derived from animal fats. And um, there can be other things, you know. And then you've got beeswax, and you've got paraffin waxes that come from they're just heavy petroleum molecules. So that's a really there's a lot there, and I, I suspect those formulations are proprietary. Yeah. Well, and also boring. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so and um, we're sort of in the middle of a big shortage of cedar um, for various reasons, but still really, really premium pencils are usually made of cedar, black wings and really high-end Japanese pencils. So what makes uh, incense cedar, the one that they specifically use, an ideal wood for pencils? Does it have to do with uh, the resin, um, you know, a certain amount of air in the wood, the straight grain? Um, you know, like what specifically about cedar makes it so great for pencils? Yeah, so this is, I, I had a little bit more trouble getting information on this. And I will say that wood science is not chemistry. I can tell you that the wood is made of cellulose, but that's not going to be very helpful <laughs> in, um, you know, in talking about the specific properties of it. But I was looking at actually some woodworking websites um, about this. And um, they say that cedar is, um, is a really nice... Um, 
is a really nice choice for carving. It holds fine detail, but it's still soft, and that's not a really common combination, right? So, like, you can you can carve really fine details into oak, but it's very hard. So I don't think oak would make a good choice, right? <laughs> For pencils, because you couldn't have a little hand pencil sharpener that you change the blades on once in a blue moon and have it be sharpenable, right? And that's yeah. one of people's big complaints about the Swiss wood is that it's hard to sharpen. And it is, and I think that's partly because of the kind of wood it's made out of and partly because of that heat treatment that they do. It makes it very, very hard uh, and very, very dense. And some people like that for writing with it, but it does make it much harder to sharpen. So you need something that's going to be soft, but it's also got to be hard enough that when you're sharpening it, you don't get that kind of fiber surface pulling up like you do on some, Mm -hmm. you know, those really cheap, like novelty pencils, like the Halloween pencils or the foil pencils. Yeah. And you sharpen them and you get that kind of fuzzy layer, you know, with the fibers. And it's just horrifying. Like it's so (laughs) awful. (laughs) Um, (laughs) they're made of sadness (laughs) that's your uh, that's the chemical component is just just that is yes yes sadness and i think there's like five percent tears of the damned in there it's it's so bad (laughs) but um you know that's that's the wood right it's a really fibrous wood it's very soft it's probably cheap which is why they're using it but it doesn't you know it doesn't make for a good um you know, so you're kind of doing that balance between hard enough to have a nice, smooth surface on it, yeah. but soft enough that you can actually cut it with a, you know, what, let's face it, to a woodworker would not be considered a very competent hand tool, right? <laughs> <laughs> your, your typical sharpener. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, you know, if you guys get a... a wood scientist on or even a wood carver on to talk about this stuff i would lo- i would totally love to hear that absolutely you can have Man, them on we need a geologist we need a like a woodworker there's never <laughs> just one science yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so before before rubber erasers were really a thing um you know we read a lot about how folks who made a lot of mistakes were rubbing out their er- errors with breadcrumbs um, is it just the like abrasiveness of the breadcrumbs that made it ideal for erasing pencil marks that is that it shares in common with rubber or do you have any other interesting conjecture about that? Like they didn't obviously have molten lead right on hand, so <laughs> they couldn't just, you know, dissolve no, it. No, iron. Molten iron, iron. Molten iron. Yeah. 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 Savages. <laughs> I know, right. I, who doesn't have that, you know, handy on their desk? Um yeah, I, I don't know. And um, I think it's really just coming back around to that texture thing, yeah. that it's something that people would have had handy that has a surface that the, you know, I mean, basically, if you kind of think of graphite as dirt, yeah, then, you know, any surface that it would cling to, you could in principle use as an eraser, right? You just have to find something that the, that those little flecks of dust would rather stick to than they would rather stick to the paper. So yeah, I think it's just that similar kind of thing that it's a little bit sticky, but not sticky enough to damage your paper. And, um, yeah. And I don't know if you guys have ever done the thing where you pick up, um, pick up pencil marks with, uh, scotch tape. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's something that's directly sticky that if you're careful to not get it too stuck to your paper, you can pick up, graphite with it and if you did it repeatedly you could probably remove most of it 
right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's just that same thing again. I think it's just that static cling kind of um, effect at the molecular level where those little particles are jumping off of the paper and onto the other surface. And rubber, I looked in, chemistry of rubber is a little bit crazy. We've talked a lot in the group about erasers hardening up over time or going, you know, they either go hard or they go chewy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's because, again, of that oxygen and UV light because the rubber, um, natural latex rubber is, um, you know, there's like the 90 to 95% of it that's actually the um, the polymer, the, um, oh, shoot, I forgot what they called it, uh, poly, oh, it's like an uh, poly isoprene something. I, I've got the structure, but I can't remember the name of it. But it's like 90 or 95% that polymer, but then it's also got a bunch of other stuff in it. 5% of it is like proteins and fatty acids and um, resins and salts and waxes and other things that come from the sap of the plant, right? Yeah. Because these are these are things that ooze out of the cells of plants. And what it's really there for is to, uh, to seal a wound on the surface of the plant and, you know, maybe poison some bugs, hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? It's to seal over those wounds in such a way that they don't get fungal spores or bacteria in there that can attack the plant because plants are constantly under attack from pathogens, just like animals are, and yeah. they have to constantly fight them off. So this is part of the immune system of the plant. And, um, and so, you know, there's all of this other stuff that's in there. So if you make synthetic rubber, it's more stable over time because there's just less stuff in there that can react with oxygen and, um, you know, and UV light over time. Because the plant's not making this rubber to last for decades, right? Yeah. Yeah. The plant only needs to last for long enough to seal off the wound so it can heal over. Hmm. Um, and, you know, then we're annoyed because we pull out a box of 40-year-old pencils and the eraser doesn't work anymore. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> so, like, Think of all the plant went through to make tree. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's a lot of, of very complex chemical stuff that can go on there. And just, you know, even the, the latex um, polymers themselves have some reactivity and they can cross-link and... and um, react with um react with oxygen over time so there's a lot of stuff that can happen there it's not simple yeah hmm. so um my next question was going to be about um plastic erasers and why mm. they work better than um uh rubber erasers so you you really talked a lot about why um they would last longer because they're not um you know they're not designed to be as uh short-lived but um so the i think people still call them vinyl but they've taken vinyl out of them in most of the european countries for environmental and health reasons but yeah. um you know they're like usually a soft white plastic and they don't harm the paper as much as um you know like a pink eraser does but they also do a much better job of removing graphite right oh, oh my gosh they would probably make a gentle. really crappy pair of boots do you think the new black wing is going to have a vinyl eraser <gasps> yeah it should <laughs> be, ban be banned from europe oh my god <laughs> well so um but think about it right because yeah. if you if you're just making plastic right okay so the tree the tree does not care about your magnum opus right the tree does not care about your dry feet or your 
or protecting <laughs> your hands from, <laughs> you know, from whatever kind of ick you're wearing rubber gloves to stay away from, right? The tree has, it's doing its thing. And we've taken this stuff and sort of adapted it to a bunch of other purposes because it's kind of a magical substance. Like yeah. it's an amazing substance, rubber. Hmm. Um, but still, we're adapting something that exists. So if you set out, you know, once plastic exists, if you set out to make a plastic that has certain properties for a certain um, application, you can tweak it however you want to, right? You can just mess around with it until you find something that is the best that you've found. Yeah. Right? So why do they work better? Because they're engineered is why. Because people actually played with the chemistry of it until they got something for one specific purpose. But I don't think that Mars plastic is going to be, you know, it's probably not the same kind of uh, rubber or um, polymer formulation that they would use to make rubber gloves or rubber boots. Yeah. Right? Or a rubber um, zipper pull. Or something like that, right? All of those, if you set out to make a formulation that's good for one purpose, then you're making it specific to that one purpose. And the advantage of that is it's probably going to be great for that one purpose. But when you get specificity, you lose generality, right? So, you know, why are the plastic erasers better? Because they made them for the purpose of erasing things. (laughs) Instead of being like, look at this tree blood glooping out of this tree. (laughs) Perhaps I will see if it removes pencil from my notebook. So such a romantic view of (laughs) of erasers. (laughs) I'm I'm a hopeless romantic. Someone needs to start an eraser blog called Tree Blood. <laughs> tree Blood, yeah, glooping tree blood only, and other synthetics. Like most other blo- uh, blogs, they would have three episodes, an apology episode, and then it would be gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, anything else, Lenore, that we're, um, that we're missing um, You know that, that we, well, do, we just don't even know to magic, ask about? Yeah. So. Yeah, I can't yeah. even like I can't even start to talk about metal. But no, I think we've gone well beyond anything I actually know enough to talk about. So, <laughs> well, he, I, I did want to ask very briefly um, something that I think is near near and dear to your heart. That like one of the most one of the best episodes of RSVP was because of this, and that's chalk. Um, your chalk episode was so good, <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, like something I didn't ever think a lot about because like I. I mean, I used chalk all through school, and I I mostly like would just like sneeze at chalk dust. But it's such an interesting substance, and um, there's a big takeaway for like like the blackwing of chalk, which I think is something you came to. Do you want to talk maybe a, yeah. just a tiny bit about that? Yeah, the Hagaromo chalk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so lovely. Um, so I will say um, there's there were three brands that we actually talked about significantly on that episode, um, uh, and I am drawing a blank on the other two names. I'll I'll, I'll try to remember to look them up and, and uh, put a link in the show notes because they are very very nice materials, and I should not be shorting them by not being able to remember their name. Um, Hagaromo has the marketing because they print their name on the sticks. Mm. And that's why I can remember the name of that one, and I can't remember the other two names. Uma Jirushi is one of them. Uma Jirushi is one of them. Um, so with the chalk, you know, it's kind of similar to um, 
the kinds of things that we say about pencils where, uh, you know, you want the graphite to come off easily, you know, but you want it to also not smudge and you want it to not make a lot of dust. Yeah. You want to not have to write too hard to do it. You want it to not break easily. Um, all of those considerations are actually also there for chalk. So, hmm. you know, they, um, the, it, the premium brands of chalk have these very nice, dense sticks um, when you write on the board. And are all, are all those just held ahead. together by compression or do they have like another chemical in there somewhere? Oh, you know what? I actually don't know if the chalk formulations, I don't know to what extent they have to have binders in them. Um, physically... The, the structure of chalk is somewhat similar to what we were talking about. with Well, we didn't really talk about this with clay, but with graphite. Actually, interesting, ch interestingly, chalk, graphite, and clay all have this material property of being tiny sheets, tiny microscopic sheets. Hmm. And the graphite is actually molecular sheets, but those molecular sheets stack together into kind of uh, uh, microscopic, wow. flaky sheets. Sheets and chalk is just calcium, right? Is that is that correct? No, no, no. Calcium. Okay, so calcium is a is a metal. Oh, calcium oh, itself oh. is a metal. So most of the chalks are some combination of calcium and magnesium carbonate and sulfate. Okay. If I'm remembering this correctly, and I didn't look it up because you kind of sprung this one on me. Sorry. But I'm, <laughs> so I'm, I'm flying without a net here, so I'm willing to be wrong. But um, and with different amounts of moisture content. Yeah. But um, with the chalk stuff, you know, you can think about like plaster of Paris, mm -hmm. you know, how you, you know, you get it wet and then there's actually a chemical reaction where over a short period of time without really drying, it suddenly hardens. Yeah. Yeah. And it does that by actually incorporating the water molecules, uh, both chemically and physically into the solid structure of the material. So it doesn't have to dry to harden and concrete does the same thing. Um, and so with these, uh, with these materials that we can use in chalk, they're kind of doing something very much like that. And in fact, you can find, um, DIY sidewalk chalk recipes online that call for, you know, Ooh. get some plaster of Paris and mix some food coloring into it. And they're not great, but they're okay. Cool. So, um, yeah, you want, you want something that when you drag it across the surface of this macroscopically smooth, but microscopically rough chalkboard, it'll scrape off little flakes of the stuff. But then they'll static cling themselves in place without falling all over the place or making big clouds. And then they'll let go when you rub on them with a felt, a piece of felt. Hmm. Right. So similar kinds of properties. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Wow. Anything else, Johnny, you can think of to ask our in-house uh, pencil scientist? <laughs> you can always um, get me back. <laughs> so um, I have one more question, but it's probably economics is the answer. But, um, <laughs> you mean the economist on the show? I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, people refer to um, ferrules as brass if they're gold, but I'm pretty sure ferrules are all aluminum or some sort of aluminum alloy these days. And when they say foil stamping, if it's metallic, I assume, you know, you would think of foil because you think of, you know, wrapping up leftover pizza. So is aluminum really well suited to that sort of heat stamping? Is it? probably aluminum and is aluminum actually really good for ferrules or just cheap i don't know <laughs> no <laughs> i mean i really don't i don't know what the materials are that they use in those and there's a lot of um so metallurgy is kind of black magic 
Like <laughs> it's it's art as much as science. You get some, um, you know, you get some kind of um, difficult to predict things going on when you're looking at metal alloys. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Metallurgists, um, yeah, you should get a, a metals engineer on for that or, you know, somebody from the pencil industry. But yeah, I don't think brass would make a very good ferrule because it does tend to be, um, you know, it oxidizes and it's hard. Hmm. Um, but you know, that being said, you can find vintage pencils with copper ferrules or brass ferrules. Um, and, um, you know, they do turn colors over time if they're, particularly if they're subject to exposure to moisture and oxygen. Um, I'm guessing that the same kind of, you know, the same kinds of metals that they use in, like, the, quote, jewelry, end quote, that's sold out of gumball machines. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, this kind of just pop just metal. Nickel or... Well, or yeah, I mean they're alloys because yeah. they're whatever's cheap and and malleable, right? But it yeah. bends easily. Because if you for most kinds of pencils, and I'm not talking about black wings here because their ferrules are pretty robust. But if you think about most kinds of pencils, the the ferrules are actually quite fragile if they weren't supported by uh, if they weren't supported from the inside by the eraser and the wood barrel. Yeah, they're sense. quite bendy. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't know what kinds of metals, but yeah, you're absolutely Somebody's- right. It would be as much an economic decision as a practical one. You need something that's cheap um, that can be worked in your industrial machines, yeah. um, you know, that you can stamp out fast and not have sharp edges on and and that it'll hold up over time. Somebody should make a really high-end pencil with, like, a tungsten uh, ferrule or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because that would totally make sense. <laughs> yeah, it sure yeah. does. <laughs> titanium yeah. ferrule. Right. It'll get funded on Kickstarter. Oh yeah. If it's got titanium <laughs> it's be, in the name, right? They'll sell it with those eighteen dollar composition notebooks that was on a Kickstarter a while ago. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but then, yeah. you know, like what what you want to do then, and this would be the great hackwing idea, right? You sell a dozen pencils, but there's only one ferrule in the box and you just keep moving <laughs> it from one pencil to the Don't next. Lose your ferrule. Right? Because if yeah. you're gonna make it if you're gonna make it out of titanium yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to reuse that Me section. Too. You don't want to throw it in the trash when you get done. Yeah. Cool. Well, I am. Uh, yeah, I'm out of uh, out of questions. What do you think? Yeah. Thanks for joining yeah. us. This was like Sorry. super awesome. Yeah. I think, I think we upped our uh, nerd credit a little bit. I think I so. That's not offensive. I mean, in a good way. Yeah. In a very good way. So, uh, Lenore, can you tell us where folks can find you on the interwebs and social media if you want? Yeah, I'm I'm mostly findable through the um through the Erasable group or the RSVP Stationary Podcast group on uh, on Facebook. And you guys should totally check out RSVP if you haven't already, because Les and Dee and I have so much fun making it, and we want to be able to keep doing that. So yeah, it's a great show. It, it's it's it has, to me, it feels very both the group and the podcast feel, you know, not in any way that it's copying or imitating but it sort of feels like the same amount of like conversationalism and congeniality but like with a much wider focus not just on pencils but sometimes on writing and sometimes on tape and sometimes on chalk right yeah and, and sometimes yeah. on Buffy I mean, the Vampire kind Slayer. of the sister podcast right yeah yeah so uh, the group is fantastic if ever you wanted if you didn't feel comfortable posting it in the erasable, erasable group because it's not about pencils like RSVP is the perfect place we take yeah. everyone 
Yeah. <laughs> Open and affirming. We're ecumenical. Yeah. How about you, Andy? Uh, I am on uh, the internet at woodclinch.com um, or at wealthy.com. So why did I put an ad in there? That doesn't make any sense. Um, or wealthy.com. <laughs> and uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at at a wealthy, A-W-E-L-F as in Frank, L-E. How about you, Johnny? So I am on the internet at pencilrevolution.com and on social media at pensolution. We are, of course, erasable. Dun, dun, dun. You can find us at erasable.us. This is episode 104, which you will find at erasable.us slash 104. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Erasable Podcast. Our official Facebook page is facebook.com slash, you guessed it, Erasable Podcast. <laughs> and unexpectedly, our Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash just Erasable, which if you're not a member of, you if you're listening this far into a podcast, we'll probably enjoy it. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time, hopefully about fall releases. And when you said uh, erasable, I was like, I was going to, going to say, uh, but if you pull molten iron over us, we're the dissolvable podcast. <laughs> the intro music for the erasable podcast is graciously provided by This Mountain, a collaborative folk rock band from Johnson City, Tennessee. You can check out their music at www.thismountainband.com. How's it going today? A little melted. A little melted. Yeah. <laughs>